Geeks United. Hey out there, thank you for tuning in. I was excited because like over a year ago, I got a free pass for one of one of our theaters out north. It's a Cinemark. I won it in like an office pool or something. I've been hanging on to it for over a year. And I, I got in the mood to see Black Klansman this weekend. I was excited. I said, I'll finally use my free pass. And uh, they weren't showing it. <laughs> no. Easy. So, so did either one of you guys watch it? I yes. did. I just got back from it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I loved it. I loved it. It had it had everything a great movie should have. It had humor. It had it. It was very exciting, very well acted, uh, incredibly well made, big widescreen uh, film, and very powerful. Uh, when it gets to the end, boy, woof. Yeah, I left in tears. It's uh, I walked out in tears at the end with the, the Charlottesville footage they incorporated at the end and. Oh. Yeah, I liked it a lot too. Although I I thought about it, there's some some logic problems that we can get into in a little bit. But if you can overlook that, it's really really good. So yeah, I, I echo your sentiments, with the exception of a few plot logic issues that you know. But I loved the uh, last image of the of the American flag, like oh yeah, uh, turning into black and white. Uh, oh yes, it was great. Wow. Yeah, that was that was amazing. And a really fantastic scene with uh, with Harry Belafonte. Oh yeah, uh, uh, who is describing a, a an atrocity that that he had come to encounter in in his uh, in his sixties uh, experiences. Uh, wow, it was it was fantastic. Uh, the lead actor is great in it. Uh, uh, what's his name? John John. Philip, uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. Okay, John David yeah. Washington, or yeah, yeah, John David. David. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yep. John David Washington. He was fantastic, uh, and uh, and Adam Driver uh, was mm-hmm. very good in it too. Uh, uh, it's really a big ensemble cast. Uh, the woman playing Angela Davis was was terrific. She was beautiful, and. Uh, um, Oh wow! I was I was really impressed with it. Uh, best picture nomination? Uh, yeah, uh, I I think, so. I, I think it's uh, it's you know I, I'm just glad that he was able to secure the financing for something like this. Yeah. And I was encouraged because there was quite a few people in the theater. I figured I'd be the only one. I was walking up to the window and nobody's buying the tickets. And I'm like, well, here we go again. I'll be the only one in this. And I walked in and it was, uh, I'd say, roughly halfway full. My uh, pack, so, my my theater was packed. Yeah. Packed house. So that so was uh, that was encouraging. Got, got a big round of applause at the end of it, and mm. uh, it was it was really 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 good. I think it's his best movie in in a little while, probably since Twenty Fifth Hour. Uh, yeah. Or maybe maybe Inside Man. I, I forget which one comes first. Uh, but uh, wow. Yeah, was, but this it's really good. I agree, it is very good. But like I said, there are, there are. I'm not going to lie to people. There what, are some in, internal logic problems. That what that, are the logic problems? Because I usually don't <laughs> look for those things. <laughs> well, they just kind of jumped out at me. Okay. Uh, a few of them. Uh, one of them is how he gets involved with the KKK is through an ad in the paper. Mm-hmm. And so the KKK is blatantly advertising in the paper, the newspaper, you know, if you're interested, give us a call. So he gives him a call, 
and but then from there on out, they they uh, admonish him and say, "We are not the KKK. We are the organization." Well, then why not advertise as the organization in the newspaper uh, as opposed to the KKK? <laughs> oh, oh, I see. I see. <laughs> uh, you know, so that that was a little bit. I was like, okay, that that doesn't quite ring true. And then there's the whole thing about Adam Driver is pretending to be him in real life because obviously he couldn't show up at a KKK meeting because yeah. he's black. So they run into this problem about trying to match up the voice and all this. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. after they made the first contact, why didn't they just lay low a couple of weeks and then? Adam Driver could pick up the phone and start talking to them and try to get involved, and he could pretend. And he would, to, he would, that would confuse things. Uh, that that's true. That for them, uh, for the KKK, so that's true. That's yeah. So he, if he, if he had called them, then then it would have been simpler, and, and it would put them in less danger. If if Adam Driver's character had just picked up the phone and, and did all the the work himself after. Uh, the main character made the initial contact. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking about that. But then that might have been changed for dramatic purposes. I don't know. Um, I also was a little disappointed that the love story just didn't quite take off the way I'd hoped it would. I, I guess there's so much going on. It's such a busy movie. I, it I, is. I, I, I can forgive it a little bit for that. But I, I really, when they first meet, and you know what I'm talking about, Dean, when they use the song, uh, I believe I'm falling in love. That's yeah. terrific, terrifically uh, orchestrated sequence and choreographed, yeah. and I just—it's the kind of stuff that I just eat up like candy, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. And I, I love romance, and I love scenes where people meet meet cute, so to speak, mm-hmm. and and this was meet cute, but in an intelligent way, and uh, I, I loved it, and I was hoping that would really, but it just didn't quite. Just they didn't, didn't really quite it. have the time for it. No, I think that's part of it, and I'm I'm willing to forgive it for that. So, but those are just might a have few been lost. Cool. Might have been lost in the editing. That's Maybe. true. Who knows? That's true. And and I, another thing I, I I was very happy to see is that he was reunited with his old time editor uh, Barry Brown, who yeah. had been cutting his films for so long. That, that was great. And Terrence Blanchard does the music, really good musical score. I thought too, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but but there's a lot to love about it. I I, I don't want to be that guy who's raining on the parade because those are minor quibbles. Let let me stress that those are very minor mm. quibbles at what is a really really tremendous movie. And like I said, I did walk out in tears at the end. So. Yeah, yeah, it was it was really really the great. Interesting, the interesting to see with Stallworth, um, I mean, because this is obviously based on his experiences. So uh, mm-hmm. it'd be interesting if some good interviewer would ask him those questions about the inconsistencies you talked about. Mm. Uh, maybe he has an answer for them. I mean, he would have an answer for them better than anyone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, but he was. Uh, I mean, Spike Lee and uh, Stallworth have been together, like making the media rounds. And he talked about how David Duke called him last week because he was worried about how he was portrayed in the movie. Mm. Uh, and David Duke tried to tell Stallworth, look, I like Spike Lee. I just saw that trailer, and I'm worried about how I come off in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, sure he's David not going to be a hero. Spike Lee fan. <laughs> yeah. You know, oh, man. But uh, it, uh, it, great, great cameo by Alec, Alec Baldwin at the beginning, didn't you think? Yeah. I, I thought it was terrific how they worked him in there. <laughs> 
I like yeah. the editing of it. I like uh, having him do the blah, you know, <laughs> to, to to prepare himself for being on camera. Uh, that was that was funny, yeah. and uh, yeah, it was it was it was an embarrassment of riches. I thought it mm-hmm. was really really good. I was, oh, I was talking yeah. to Adam about this the other week, uh, the other night. Um, there's something the th- thing that I really like about Spike Lee. First of all, his visual ingenuity. Uh, I, I mean, it's apparent throughout his career. He's just such a strong visualist. And I'm thinking uh, about that scene in Clockers, uh, particularly, where uh, he's schooling the kid on how to how how to be questioned by the officers. What story uh-huh. do you have? And then all of a sudden, the detective the detective is schooling him is in the scene with him. Mm-hmm. As he's going through what he needs to, say, and the way that's visualized, and that's where it's remarkable, and it, it, that that visual ingenuity carries off through, throughout his entire career. And I like how he's uh, unafraid uh, to make really bold uh, uh, emotional moves. Yeah, like the close, the closing of Jungle Fever, where he screams to the camera, hugging the girl, and throwing the ball from one generation to the next at the end of He Got Game. It's the kind of stuff that annoys people that think that they value realism above all else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not realizing that uh, you know none of the superhero movies they watch aren't realistic. Yeah, but, uh, exactly. But the other thing I love about Spike Lee is <laughs> he is one of the few people that can get away with this by... Uh, Populating his films with multiple scenes that do not advance plot, because yeah. normally the first consideration for any filmmakers does this help the movie's plot? Does this help drive it forward? Spike Lee will go like fifteen minute stretches of just people yakking, uh, it, but it's invaluable because it gives you a sense of those characters in the world that they they populate, mm-hmm. uh, and and and. That's the experience of the movie. And when Adam and I were talking the other night, we were talking about how few filmmakers can actually get away with that. Like somebody like Altman can get away with that. And and, and none of the mumblecore people that work nowadays and in the past few years can get away with that. Because, mm-hmm. uh, because for some reason it seems so aimless when you're improvising every word. Uh, and that's when you think, God, I, I could use a... I, you could use a writer in this. But with Spike <laughs> Lee, it's just the very particular uh, enjoyable personalities of his characters and the actors that play them that come across, and that carries a lot of his movies forward, I think, more than plot. I agree. I agree yep. completely. He's uh, he's uh, he's unique. And what are you going to say? He's, he's a unique filmmaker. And... Uh, this is one of his best, for sure. Okay, so yeah. top, top three Spike Lee. Top three Spike Lee, Dean. Oh, uh, well, Do the Right Thing would be number one. Uh, yeah, I'm a huge, massive fan of Inside Man. Uh, I really like that one. Uh, and uh, then I would go with, oh, maybe go all the way back to the beginning with, uh, even though it's, it's rough in some places, uh, 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 she's got to have it. Yeah, I tell you what, Inside Man and Dog Day Afternoon are a good double feature. Very good. And if you 
and and uh, I was reminded during an interview the other night with Spike Lee that the pizza delivery guy at Inside Man is the same guy that delivered pizza in Dog Day with the whole Attica thing. They oh, wow. that guy down. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that <laughs> is. That really is. That is. So, Adam, Adam, what's your top three? Top three. Wow. Um, probably for me, Malcolm X, uh, Do the Right Thing, and probably He Got Game, I would say. That's my top three. Three and this this one falls right below those. I think. Yeah, it's it's going to be in my top the, five. Yeah, this is in the top five for sure, for sure. Yeah, uh, for me it's uh, it's four little girls, twenty fifth hour, and uh, summer of Sam. He got game like uh, kind of they're right together in mm-hmm. that. Cause I, mm. I sure sure love summer of Sam. Mm. But yeah, an extraordinary filmmaker. Yeah, he is. He is fantastic. Um, oh wow! Yep. I'm still I'm still coming down from from the movie. It got a huge round of applause at the end. Uh, 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 wow! We we didn't get that at the theater. I was in. It was just dead silence after the the footage of Charlottesville at the end of it. I mean, you, you could have heard a pin drop. I I don't think I've heard that much quiet at the end of a movie since the end of Schindler's List. <laughs> That's been a long time. Yeah. So it was it was that kind of effect mm. it had on the the crowd I was with. So my crowd was uh, a majority uh black crowd. Same here. Uh, so, Same here. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah. They just had a different reaction. They uh there were a couple of of white people interspersed but but they were definitely the minority and it mm-hmm. was mostly a a black audience and like I said they were just totally quiet. Mm. There's just nothing. I mean, I was like, "Wow, this is." I can understand that reaction. Yeah, yeah. And Dean, you yeah. saw it on the number, the one year anniversary of Charlottesville. Yeah. If you saw it mm-hmm. today. Yep. Yeah. Oh boy. And Which it's was going on again. Yeah, it looks like. Didn't he? De- didn't he delay the uh, release of it to to coincide with with that anniversary? Since he's got the footage yeah. at the end. And yeah. he also had to delay the release because they had to clear the footage uh, at that's at the end of the movie mm-hmm. of Charlottesville. Well, I mean, you asked, you said you're glad that he got financing to do something like this, and uh, I mean, I'm sure a lot of that has to do with the new pull of Jordan Peele, who produced mm-hmm. it. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, interviewers are so clueless. I was reading one interview, and I forget which magazine it was in, but their first question is, "Why did Jordan Peele come to you for this?" And Spike Lee started to answer, and then he said, what the fuck do you mean, why did he come to me? Do you know anything about me? <laughs> why wouldn't he choose wow. me to direct who, who else would you go to? You know, yeah. yeah. He would be the natural one to direct this. But, so. you know, it's only been a couple of years since he was get, having to get crowdfunding to get a movie made. It's only sure. been two or three years. I mean that's a big that's a big uh, change of circumstance for him, and I'm glad because we need filmmaking voices like that now. I mean, you know, there's nothing against the superhero films and all that stuff. We we need that. You know, everybody needs their candy and their dessert, but we we need something like this with some bite that makes yeah. us think and reflect on who we are as human beings. And absolutely, we're just, we're, we're definitely not getting enough of that. And I think we're starved for that. 
Yeah. We are, and then when it comes along, I, my second fear is that people won't go see it. You know that they just don't. That everybody wants to be happy and everybody wants to be comfortable, and they mm-hmm. don't want to face any ugly truths of what life in these United States is like. And that really that's troublesome to me too, because yeah. not everything can be happy all the time, and we have to we have to think about things in a serious manner from time to time and we need all, stuff like this all of that said there is a there is a lot of humor in the movie there is uh, yeah. there is a lot of lightness and humor so don't think that it's just all heavy nope. uh it no, is heavy but uh but there's a lot of action and humor in it mm-hmm. uh, and uh yeah it's it good yeah and even at two hours and yes, fifteen minutes, it didn't feel uh, too long. I, I, I'm usually the one complaining about the length of movies these days, but this was a case where I felt like it was warranted. It didn't feel over, didn't feel like it overstayed its welcome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. It's interesting how his career has gone. That he was, uh, you know, he was a golden boy, particularly after Do the Right Thing, and uh, so you got a new Spike Lee joint, and you knew you're in the hands of. True gifted filmmaker and the studios, whereas the Universal was supporting him in that, and Universal did most of his stuff uh, mm-hmm. in the early days. And then, and then he used like his capital to do really experimental work. And then I think he kind of fell off the radar of the majors, and then came back with Inside Man and proved that he could still do that, do a studio movie in his own way. Uh, so I, I, I think his kind of trajectory has mirrored how the studios have felt about, I mean, for lack of a better term, like our tour filmmakers from the 80s on into mm-hmm. the 90s and beyond. I mean, they don't really value those original voices as they once did. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but he can still, like with Inside Man, he can still come through with a movie that gives you exactly what this, you know studio movies promise. Without sacrificing his his vision, yeah, because inside Inside Man is just filled to the brim with New York attitude, you know, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. really, really wonderful characters and and a truly suspenseful what the hell's going on plot, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's why that's why I like it. I was like, it, it constantly surprised me uh, that movie. Uh, I thought I knew what it was at first, and then then I was proven completely wrong. I love that. <laughs> uh, and he knows his film history, too. And he incorporates his film history in, in his movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like in because this. Inside uh, Man, yeah, with Birth of a Nation, with this one, right? Mm-hmm. Doesn't he go into yeah. Birth of a Nation in this one? He does. The, the, it is it is uh, discussed. And, uh, of course, uh, Gone with the Wind, it opens up with the, uh, with the famous, you know, uh, Dolly up over the uh, uh, over the uh, the injured Southerners in um, Gone with the Wind, and uh, and then it gets into a, a long discussion that uh, the two uh, leads, the romantic leads, uh, uh, they discuss uh, the then current black film movement. That was uh, going on in the seventies with Shaft and Superfly and so forth, and Coffee. Uh, so that was all. That was it. Was a it was kind of an interesting movie about film, uh, in a way. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was 
Changes is uh, they vow to produce a three-hour show, uh, nothing over three hours, and to accommodate that, they are handing out some of the awards during commercial breaks, and then they'll do a recap of those awards at the end, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a video montage that they'll edit together during the ceremony. I hate uh, that. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not for that. Let the show go on. We've said it on the show before. Just let it go on for four hours. Why not? Let it go yeah. on. Yeah. I, I think well, the it's other really thing bad. Is, uh, yeah, go ahead. No, go, ahead sorry. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was go just going to say, I, I just think it's really hurtful to these people that get the awards for. We we talked about this on the phone the other night. Uh, people who get the the awards for the documentary films. This is their one night to sh- to, to shine. You mm-hmm. know, to be on that world stage with all their the the, the other filmmakers mm-hmm. have a, a better shot at it and uh they may never get that opportunity again and you're just basically going to take that away from them yeah and that's that bothers me it really and the so, short filmmakers too you know, too, yes. you know they'll be on the chopping block oh, of course, <laughs> of course. anyway yeah. what was what the, were the uh, 
there were there were two other. I know what the another one. The big one is the best popular film. They've announced a new category, which is their whole reason for expanding the category to ten years ago. I understood, but that didn't work out. So they're introducing a new outstanding achievement in popular film category, where presumably things like the superhero movies, Black Panther, and whatever Marky Mark's making that week, the stuff like that can be nominated for an Oscar. Uh, and uh, it's, to, it's to appease the general public, the, the mouth breathers. <laughs> I, I mean, I hate to say that. I hate to say that because there are some, uh, of course, there are some really great popcorn movies. Yeah. But that was the whole reason for expanding it to 10 nominees. And most yep. years, they don't use the whole ten nominees. They just do right. seven or eight. Have they ever mm. used the whole ten? No, uh, they've never gone all ten. No. Nine is the most they've I think they did ten the first year that they expanded it. Uh, that's the year that an education got in for best pic, for a Best Picture nomination and so forth, but... Uh, yeah, that big, uh, big popular movie at education. But, <laughs> yeah. You know... Isn't it like if you are a winner of the Best Popular Film Award, um, does it feel like an MTV award? Doesn't it feel kind of condescending? Like it you does. aren't good enough to be in the Best Picture. It's, yeah. con- it's condescending to the filmmakers. It is. It is. Yeah. It is, and it it uh, it's it's a, it's an insult to the category of Best Picture in a lot of ways because. Uh, you know, I mean, it kind of, kind of uh, takes the wind out of Best Picture in a lot of ways. So, yeah, I don't know. Of course, the flip side of that is they, whoever wins Best Popular Film, they might just be thrilled to win an Oscar. They don't. They might not care if it's condescending or not. <laughs> That's true. I, you know, you I, know. I, I saw a great tweet by uh, Mark Harris. He, he said. Uh, it truly is something that in the year Black Panther, a movie made just about entirely by and with black people grosses $700 million. the Academy's reaction is we need to invent something separate but equal. <laughs> that, <was great. laughs> that is good. <laughs> that was that my favorite uh, um, tweet regarding that subject. So, yeah. yeah. What else? Uh, are yeah. Doing it? It was, the, the can third, you remember the, what the, the other thing the, was? The third change is not not next year, but the year after, they're going to move up the ceremony to the beginning of February instead of the end of February. Yeah, to, uh, that's February 9th. That'll be yeah. good. That'll be good. They need to do that because it's too long. It's too long of a season. You're, every, everybody's exhausted by the time the Oscars come out. There's so many awards now. I think and, I think they need to do better. I think they need to do one better. I think they need to... Um, because there are too many award shows. The season mm-hmm. lasts too long, and by mm-hmm. the time you get to the Oscars, even if they move up to February 9th, it's the last thing on the call sheet, and everybody's fucking sick of it. They, they know what's going to win because uh, 12 televised uh, award ceremonies have already come on, and it's yep. always been the same narrative. Yep. I think they need to come out in, in uh, the week after the Golden Globes. I uh, think that, can tell, that's true. Yeah, tell all the other award show they can go screw themselves. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be great. I agree. I agree. Like the the end of the, at the end of uh, beginning or end of January is when they should have it. 
Yeah. You know. So I guess we'll start getting screeners next month, huh? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're going to have to start voting for Best Picture in October. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, and we probably won't get a lot of them, too. We won't get a lot of screeners because they probably won't won't get out in time. Well, that's a possibility. That's a possibility. Although they they did pre- they did really well last year, uh, but yeah, with a three week jump, I don't know. Um, it's hard hard to say. Are you know, everybody the, is, are they still relying on the physical screeners as much as they used to, or are they doing watermarked online? I get. I, last year, I got a lot of the physical stuff. Yeah, uh, me that, too. The major studios seem to be still going that route. Um, interestingly enough, they're using just DVDs, uh, which is interesting. Uh, Disney sent out a packet of Blu-rays. They were the only ones that went the Blu-ray route, which I guess they can afford it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, but the stuff they sent was stuff that had been out quite a while when I received it. Like we're talking um, Beauty and the Beast, which had been out since early in the year. But mm-hmm. you know, they did they did send send out Blu-rays. But the rest of them are going with the watermark, um, the the, uh, the DVD screeners. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of the smaller uh, people, like Magnolia. Well, Magnolia did send out a package of, of stuff last year, but there were a couple of the smaller distributors. I'm trying to think which ones. They had a lot of uh, links online, so it seems like the smaller guys were the ones that were going for the, well, for yeah, the online well, links. Yeah, gotta be, right. Got to be cheaper too. But uh, it makes you wonder, like, because a lot of times the the download the uh, the torrent sites, the illegal torrent sites, they'll you can tell when Academy Screeners going out because they pop up on those sites. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes you wonder. It makes you wonder who's doing it, like yeah. because I would think one of the recipients. I mean, for the most part, the recipients wouldn't be prone to do that. Is is it something right. in transit? Is it something when they when they at the facilities where they make these things? I mean, where does that happen? I've gotten some copies of of movies in the where in the watermark my name is in it. Uh-huh. So, mm. uh, you know, uh, maybe maybe I guess that was done to to hopefully catch one of the one of the offenders, but. Uh, yeah, I'm wondering about that too because it, it does happen fast. It, they come on the, up on those sites, you know, by the group, you know, and yep. uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's interesting. It makes you wonder if somebody's empty, uh, opening the envelopes and and taking them out and uploading them and then putting them back in there and mailing them out at the postal facilities or something. I don't know. Somebody in the know. Mm. I don't know. That you wonder. Yeah, that would be office. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you can't can't trust those postmen. Yeah, and uh, and then the, you know, forget especially the year the postman came out. I mean, that was yeah. <laughs> terrible. <clears throat> yeah, well, we've moved along since the days of VHS screeners, so I guess we can rejoice in that, right? So yeah, that's good. <laughs> Although I still value my VHS machine. <laughs> I've still got one. So don't use it as much as I have in, in the past, but it's still there just in case. You never know what might turn up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. 
Okay. So uh, I was on the. Uh, I know Dean's can talk about Amazon Prime, right? Yeah. Okay. I was on Amazon Prime the other day, <clears throat> so I was browsing through stuff, and I saw a lot of stuff that I wanted to see on there, like Galaxina. Is that the name yeah. of the Galaxy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dorothy Stratton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, and lo and behold, a trip with the teacher was on there. So I'm <laughs> I'm looking forward to sitting down, checking that out one of these days. Who's been back? It's a lot of fun. That's the one with um, uh, uh, Zalman King is in it. Okay. It's a lot of fun. That's the one Adam, Adam was talking about a couple of months ago, and yeah. it piqued my interest, like bikers hijacking a bus or something. I don't know. Yeah. Cool bus. I'll have to look that one up. <laughs> oh, put yeah. it on the watch it's, list. It's one of those that's uh, it's one of those Crown International pictures from. Oh the yeah, they have a lot of them. Yeah, yeah and uh, it it is it, it's a blast. It's uh, uh, he's it's he's a really effective uh, creep. Shall we say? <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, and then I watched Piranha because I I I'd never seen Piranha before, which mm-hmm. is good and uh, very, which is good. Yeah. Yes, and I, I was movie. watching it. I was thinking uh, at first when it first started, I was like, oh, this actually has decent actors in it. Like, <laughs> not 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 their names necessarily, but decent level of performance in it. Oh yeah, it's mm-hmm. not one of those schlocky, badly acted movies. Mm-hmm. And then I started reading up on it. And uh, Spielberg called it the best of the Jaws ripoffs, mm-hmm. and they were they were trying to through the legal courts they were trying to hold off its release until after Jaws two, because they didn't want it to affect Jaws two, and mm-hmm. uh, Spielberg Spielberg said no go ahead they can release it he liked the movie, mm-hmm. uh, so he let it through and you know it's Joe Dante which. And he's a Spielberg uh, disciple. Yeah. Uh, so it's well, it's well done. I, I yeah, like it is. Suck it. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting because the uh, the lead actress in that uh, was Heather Menzies, and she she died. Oh, I think it was back last December. And three weeks later, Bradford Dillman died, who was the male lead in that. So uh, mm. that was just really weird. I thought. Wow. They Did both... either one of them drown? Come on, don't tell me somebody <laughs> so. drowned. <laughs> I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, did they get eaten by piranhas? <laughs> yeah. Well, Heather Menzies was married to Robert Urich, actually. Oh. So, yeah, she was. Okay. Yeah, she was and go ahead and tell, tell us how he died, Adam. <laughs> oh, well, they both had cancer, actually. Right. They both did. He, he he had some sort of blood cancer, I believe, and then she had uh, a brain tumor that she died three weeks after diagnosis, which was really... Oh, when I was lie. working at TNT, I uh, we used to show Spencer for Hire, and uh, yes. uh, we used to uh, I I would send Robert Urich his fan mail that was sent to us, uh, and uh, he sent me a, a nice note back with nice. with his autograph and everything. Well, I was actually friends with her on Facebook, and we had conversed a couple of times because she's in some other stuff. She's in that movie. You know, oh uh, yeah, one of your favorites. <laughs> yeah, it I know is. you like. Yeah, she's in, she's in that, and she's in The Sound of Music. She plays one of the daughters, and uh, so she's mm. a really sweet person. And um, you know, she was just—it was so bizarre that she passed so quick. She was 
like like just within a matter of weeks. But yeah, but yeah, I thought that was interesting that they both were in that movie, the two leads, and then they just you know. But that's got great character actors too, right? Keenan Wynn and yeah, Dick right. Miller and Paul Bartel, of course. And, of course, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all sorts. Of, you, What's you, the, uh, you're just watching it. You're like, I know that guy. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the name of the Dick Miller uh, documentary? Oh That's yeah. Right. That That's, That's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the this is completely off topic, but uh, Jake and the Fat Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we're going way off topic. Way off topic. Who is the Fat Man? What was that actor's name? That's William, William Conrad. Conrad. Yeah. yeah. William yeah. Conrad, okay, okay. Yeah. All right. You mentioned Spencer for Hire, that for some reason the imagery of Jake and the Fat Man came in my head. And I just, I <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't wasn't Jake, he was Joe Penny, right? Yes. It? Yes. 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 Okay. Now that's a much harder question. A <laughs> <laughs> harder trivia question. Yeah, listen, listen to the useless crap rolling around in my head. And so. <laughs> all of our heads. Mm-hmm. Uh Okay, so what did you see interesting on Amazon Prime? Okay, well, uh, the big thing on Amazon Prime right now is, for me, for movie lovers, is there is, I don't know who's putting these out, uh, when you see the uh, when you see the watch list or whatever, when you see the, the menu of movies, there's a particular outfit that is putting out movies with a, a solid background, a solid black or blue or yellow background with just the titles, the top three stars, yeah. and the director, and then and you'll see like film film strip perforations on the sides. That stuff is very interesting. Uh, so, for instance, uh, uh, I watched for the first time the Happy Ending, which I'd never seen with Gene Simmons. Uh, Playing an alcoholic housewife, married to John Forsythe, and with her best friend oh, okay. Shirley Jones. I and love that movie. I really do. Not, not the admit. not the other Gene Simmons. No, not <laughs> no, no. <laughs> not the rock the, star. Right. She was married to the director of this one, Richard Brooks. Yeah. At the time they made, he kind of tailored it as a vehicle for her. I think mm-hmm. actually. And and she got an Oscar nomination out of it, she did. and and uh, I guess the the song got an Oscar nomination. Yeah, such a standard. What are you doing for, for the rest of your life? By yes. uh, Michelle Legrand and the Bergmans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, anyway, it's a perfect like uh, it, it's. It, this tells you a lot about the movie. It, it it is a perfect companion piece to something like Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Uh, it's got that same sort of. Uh, quality of uh, uh, it, it's a, it's a downbeat movie, very it downbeat, but, but I'm a beautifully downbeat photographed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're downbeat guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so beautifully photographed, great '60s uh, location stuff. You just, I was just loving it, just looking at all the stuff in it, like all the the, the phones and the oh, cars yeah. and the buildings and the clothes. I was just I was loving it just because of that, but it, it's it's a it's a tough movie, but uh, in that uh, in that same uh, category, like uh, I, I'm just looking at the things with the film strip thing uh, mm-hmm. graphics. So uh, they added "Don't Knock the Rock," 
which is an early rock and roll movie by Fred F. Sears, yeah. who also directed, uh, uh, I think, Earth vs. the Flying Saucers. But uh, <laughs> this is with uh, Bill Haley in the Comets and Alan Freed. And uh, I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but uh, also uh, Snowed Under by um, Ray Enright. Uh, uh, I, I haven't watched that yet either. But really interesting stuff. I mean, uh, the other day I sort of reproduced a, sort of a uh, – I have massive nostalgia for the early days of HBO. Uh, so I sort of fashioned a day of HBO with uh, The Duelist, uh, Ridley Scott's movie, followed by If, the uh, – the incredible, incredible Lindsay Anderson movie with uh, Malcolm McDowell, mm-hmm. which is one of a kind. If you've never seen it, you've got to see it. It's on there. Then I watched Fear and Desire for the first time all the way through. I'd never watched it all the way through, believe it or not. And uh, Kubrick's Fear and Desire is, uh, uh, I think I think he should have had a higher opinion of it because it, it's it's actually, it's such a beautiful looking movie. I mean, his his photography in it. Is fantastic. His editing maybe needs a little needed a little work because he was the editor on it. But uh, um, I I thought it was uh, very effective and very haunting. And then after that, uh, I watched um, uh, Hoosiers and uh, then um, uh, Riot in Cell Block Eleven, which is an early Don Siegel movie. With Neville Brand leading a leading a uh, uh, prison riot, and uh, then after that, I had so much fun with this a movie called Women's Prison with uh, Ida Lupino and uh, Jan Sterling, I think, and uh, oh god, it was so good, and Howard Duff as the as the prison doctor. That was so fun. I haven't had so much fun watching a movie in a really long time as I did with watching my, uh, Women's Prison. It was from 19, I think it's from the mid-50s, and it's really, really an entertaining movie. Uh, but that was a great day of movie watching. Then uh, uh, then I watched uh, First Men in the Moon, which wasn't so great. The, uh, <laughs> uh, it's a It's a Harryhausen movie. Nathan Duran, not a great director, but uh, but the Harry Hazen stuff takes a backseat to there's there's a really irritating character actor playing one of the scientists in it, and uh, and I just couldn't stand the movie just because he was in it. Um, but uh, oh, there was so much good stuff. Curse of the Fly, the third Fly movie made in '65, um, which strangely had only. Only a nominal appearance of the fly in it. Uh, it was in a photograph. Uh, all the rest of the, all the rest of the time, the the fly creatures are like they're in the pupa stage. So uh, so they've just got goop on their face and stuff. And it's, it, it just it wasn't that good. It, it was made in Canada, and um, it was it was nice black and white stuff in it, but. Uh, uh, what else did I see? Well, they've got Capote on there, and uh, then I tried to watch Runaway, 
which is uh, uh, early Tom early Tom Selleck with the Gene Simmons that we were talking about. The uh, not not the woman Gene Simmons, but the actual Kiss <laughs> singer Gene Simmons, and it was so boring. It was a Michael Crichton. It's a Michael Crichton movie. It was so boring. I I had to cut out of it before Gene Simmons even really came into play. Before he even said a line, I was like, I gotta leave this. I can't watch Who's this. Who's the girl anymore. in that? She she did a she was on a run in the eighties. Cynthia something. Who's the Cynthia girl? Cynthia Gibbs. Cynthia, Cynthia Gibbs. Gibbs. Yeah, I think so. Is that who it was? Yeah. Okay, her. I remember her in Youngblood too. That that was a good. Uh, that was a good puberty movie for me. Sing Cynthia yeah. Gibbs. And yeah. Malone, she was with Burt Reynolds and Malone. Oh yeah, she, yeah. She plays his daughter in that, or no, no. Malone or, or comes she, to town, and she's the daughter of the farmer that's intimidated by the uh, big shot in town that Burt Reynolds. Oh, okay, had. that's one of my favorite. Like, I, I know it's not a good movie, but it is one of my favorite. Like, enigmatic stranger comes to a small town and has to deal with the sheriff mm-hmm. or the guy that owns the town or something. It's one of my favorites among that subgenre. They've got uh, Shivers, early David Cronenberg movie uh, that was also known as They Came From Came From Within. That uh, uh, that's on there, and uh, it's about these creatures that are uh, inhabiting the 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 drain pipes of this of this uh, apartment building, and they're worming their way into people. Uh, Let's see what else they got. Billion Dollar Brain, uh, one of the uh, Michael Caine spy movies. What, uh, what was his name in the uh, in that in that series that started with the If Chris File? Um, I can't remember his name. Harry Lime. But, yeah, uh, Harry uh, Lime. Right. And no, I don't, I don't know. Who, uh, no, that's Third Man, isn't it? That's Third Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is a hair. I get Michael Caine and Third Man confused all the time. <laughs> Well, that's on there. It's it's never gotten a lot of uh, great uh, uh, words said about it. Uh, it's generally considered sort of a lesser sequel. But uh, I watched Winter Kills for the first time. Uh, I had never seen it. It came out in 79, my favorite movie, movie year. That's a difficult movie. William Reichert is the director and the writer. And of course, it's a takeoff on the whole Kennedy assassin. It's an assassination conspiracy thriller with Jeff Bridges, and uh, really everybody's in it. Toshiro Mifune is in it, uh, and uh, um, Elizabeth Taylor and John Huston plays the villain. And uh, it, it, was, it was odd, very odd. Uh, I can't say that I loved it, but uh, I'm glad I saw it. Uh, All That Heaven Allows, the the Douglas Sirk movie with uh, Jane Wyman and Rock Hudson and Agnes Moorhead is on there. Um, And then there were none, the early uh, adaptation, the 40s adaptation of of, uh, Agatha Christie's movie, uh, play or whatever, uh, with Barry Fitzgerald and Walter Houston. Uh, that's on there. Um, Charlie Chan and the Curse of the Dragon Queen <laughs> with, with Peter Ustinov as the title character and also Ed, Edgy Dickinson. Or is, is she in it? 
Is it Angie Dickinson? Rod, yeah, Angie Dickinson and early Michelle Pfeiffer, Roddy McDowell. Uh, also, um, going through my list here on Prime here, uh, let me get to the really, really good stuff. Crash Dive, early uh, early Best Special <laughs> Effects winner with Tyrone Power and Ann Baxter, Dana Andrews. Uh 30 Day Princess with Sylvia Sidney, Cary Grant. Uh, also, uh, Interns Can't Take Money, Barbara Stanwyck and Joel McRae, who were married, and uh, Lloyd Nolan. Uh, also, another Sylvia Sidney, Merrily We Go to Hell from 1932. Um, Frankenstein, The True Story, the TV movie with... Uh, with uh, um, Michael Sarazen as the monster, and mm-hmm. James Mason, and Leonard Whiting as the Doctor Frankenstein, and Jane Seymour as his wife, um, directed by Jack Smite. Uh, also, another TV movie, The Legend of Lizzie Borden, with uh, directed by Paul Wincoast, who also did uh, 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 the Mephisto Waltz, uh, with. Uh, uh, Elizabeth Montgomery as Lizzie Borden. That was that was interesting. Ha- the Haunted Palace, Roger Corman with uh, Vincent Price and Lon Chaney Jr. Uh, another Douglas Sirk, Magnificent Obsession with Jane Wyman, Rock Hudson. Uh, and Monkey Business, early Mark Bro- Marx Brothers, Daddy Long Legs, Fred Astaire, Leslie Caron. Um Diary of a Chambermaid, uh, Jean Renoir with Paulette Goddard, and uh, uh, that's that's kind of a remake, I think. And um, let's see, Coroner's Creek, Randolph Scott Western, uh, Plunder Road, uh, which is a really really uh, exciting uh, B movie uh, with uh, some. Some uh, some people from from uh, Path of Glory are in it. Wade Morris is in it. Um, hmm. Also, Nightmare Alley, which if you've never seen Nightmare Alley, you've got to see it. <laughs> you've got to see it. Tyrone Power plays a uh, worker at a at a uh, a sideshow uh, who uh, who try who builds builds customers out of their cash. And gets involved in a situation that really leads him down the wrong path towards towards uh, well i'm I don't want to give away the ending, but I'll tell you it is horrifying. It is a horrifying movie. It's not a horror movie, but it feels like it should be one uh Joan Blondell is in it, Colleen Gray, and directed by Edmund Goulding. It is really terrifying uh if if you like a if you like a good uh kind of it's not a horror movie but it it feels like one um a foreign affair uh Gene Arthur Marlena Dietrich uh directed by Billy Wilder early Billy Wilder also watched an incredibly depressing movie from 1945 called Hangover Square with Laird Krieger as a uh as a guy who uh uh, a, a classical pianist who 
gets involved in it's sort of like a blue angel type thing where he gets involved with with a, a showgirl and uh he, she destroys his life she's played, she's played by Linda Darnell both Darnell and Krieger died early uh, since, since you, you guys like the death notices <laughs> they they died very very young uh, in horrible ways and and George Sanders also also who who died in his 60s uh of a he committed suicide because uh, he had found out he was sick uh also also this was so good i i really enjoyed this journey to the far side of the sun is on there it's an early uh jerry and sylvia anderson movie uh it's done bef- between when they were doing thunderbirds which is also available on prime but uh it was between the time they did thunderbirds and Space 1999, and this kind of sets the stage for Space 1999. In fact, that you can tell that this movie is heavily influenced by 2001 because there's a, there's even a trip sequence in it that's uh, that's really interesting. But uh, really, really good movie. Uh, under underrated, underrated. Uh, a couple, they've added some thi- um, Mr. Moto movies uh, with. Peter Lorre as the detective Mr. Moto. Um, the Reptile, another uh Hammer movie. Uh, uh oh, oh god, I watched this. This was so fantastic. You got to see this. 14 hours. If you've never seen 14 hours, it is fantastic. Henry Hathaway uh is the director. And it has a lot. It's done in done in the uh, fifty one, and it's about a man who is threatening to throw himself, threatening to commit suicide in New York uh, on St. Patrick's Day, and uh, he's he's standing on the ledge through the entire movie. He's played by Richard Basehart, and uh, he's he's been driven crazy by his. Uh, by his nutty mother, played by Agnes Moorhead, and his uh, sort of uh, milk toast father, uh, who left early, and uh, Barbara Bel Geddes plays his girlfriend, and oh, it's got a great cast. Oh, such a great movie! Oh, so exciting! I uh, can't tell you how how much I loved it. It's so great. It's called Fourteen Hours, and it is something else. Uh, also, uh, The Uninvited, uh, terrific early uh, horror movie with Ray Milland and uh, Donald Crisp and Ruth Hussey. Um, there's a movie called Pittsburgh, which I haven't watched yet, but wow, this cast, 1942, Marlena Dietrich, Randolph Scott, and John Wayne all together. Wow. Uh, just oh, so much good stuff. It's it is it is the promise uh it's the promise of this format i mean it has been has been reached uh because they have gone outside of just getting the new stuff or whatever they've re- they're really putting a, putting an effort into into getting some amazing stuff on there uh another i watched another great uh billy wilder movie early called uh, uh, Five Graves to Cairo. And if you've never seen this movie, I had never seen it before, but 
when you see this movie, you know that this had a major, major influence on Spielberg and the people who made Raiders of the Lost Ark because it's really it's it's a really exciting movie with French tone and Ann Baxter and Akeem Tamiroff, who is fantastic in it. Uh, they're all uh, trying to stop the Germans from from coming into uh, coming into Egypt, and they've buried all this. The Germans have buried all this all these guns all over the place, and they have to figure out where where the guns are buried, and uh, and to to thwart their uh, invasion. So, oh man, I, I go on and on about all the stuff that they have added onto this, but it is so. Amazing, uh, and a lot of it I haven't seen yet, so that's why I put it on the watch list. So, like this movie, The Last Sunset, Robert Aldrich, Rock Hudson, Kirk Douglas, Dorothy Malone. What? I'm not going to watch that? Are you kidding me? I'm going to watch that. Yeah, Robert Al- that era, Robert Aldrich. Yes, sir. I'm going to watch that. Um, uh, you know, there's still recent stuff like you know, Children of Men is on there, and uh, Central Park Five, uh, LBJ, uh, uh, Citizen Coke is on there. Uh, here's an '80s movie that I'd never seen that I said, oh, "I'll sit down and watch it," and I was kind of, I was kind of blah at it. But The Monster Squad, I'd never seen that, so I checked that out the other night. Um, I was. I was getting the Monster Squad mixed up with another movie with uh, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing and all of the horror stars that were still around. But that was called The Monster Club, and but it came out generally the same time period. And uh, early, uh, mid-period Lena Vertmuller movie, Blood Feud, is on there. Uh, mid-period... Uh, uh, James Ivory movie, The Wild Party, with James Coco and Raquel Welch, and a big, big cast underneath those those guys. And uh, um, oh god, it, it is just. Uh, and then I watched The Illusionist uh, again, which is uh, Sylvain uh, Sylvain Chomet's incredible animated movie based on. Uh, uh, a, a story by Jacques Tati that oh god it was so moving oh wow they, there's just oh, I could go on I could go on for another hour <laughs> with all the stuff mm. uh, but it is it is incredible it is it's 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 the place to go and watch movies now <laughs> it really is so I just got back from the movie theater after watching. After watching so many movies on Prime at home, in in the comfort of my home, and it was kind of a pain. <laughs> it was kind of a pain to go back go back out to the movie theaters, but I'm glad I did it. I had to put up with a lot of stuff, but you know, lines and people with their phones and and the crackling of popcorn boxes, but um, but it was worth it because that was a great movie, and it was good to see with a big crowd. Uh, finally, I'll just end with I'll end with I had never seen this before. I couldn't I can't believe I've never seen it before since it's <clears throat> one of my idols is Charles Schultz, and uh, 
in the Peanuts comics, he is always mentioning this because he he obviously was a fan of it. Bo Jest, another big influence on present day action movies, with Gary Cooper, Cooper, Ray Milland, and Robert Preston as childhood friends who grow up and uh, go into the French Foreign Legion and encounter trouble there uh, as they're trying to. They're also trying to re- recover uh, their family's uh, heirloom sapphire, uh, uh, and it is exciting. Wow, I can see why Charles Schultz loved it. Cause, and I'm so glad that Prime gave me a chance to see all of these movies and gives us all a chance to see them and uh, and to see them easily. You know, that that makes all the difference in the world because. The thing is, you're willing to take a chance on things if it if it's just a if it's just a click away. The the negative is that if a movie is not pleasing you, uh, you you get out of it before before it has a chance to save itself. Um, but uh, you know, I can't say any negative things about this. It is it is fantastic. The fact is, right now, uh, my computer is not working, and so this is taking the place of uh, of watching a lot of movies on online, uh, and I'm grateful for it because <laughs> there's no more video stores, so I can't do it for myself. So um, I'm I'm so happy to have all this, and I do cool. I do I do love all the B movies on here too, Chain Gang Women. <laughs> oh, I watched Jackson County Jail the other night. Wow, whoa, <laughs> that is that is that's some rough stuff. Um, early Tommy Lee Jones and Yvette Mamieu, of course, get thrown in jail, and uh, and she gets to see all the horrors in there. And uh, wow, I just I could just go on for another two hours. All right, <laughs> just, make, just make sure, just make sure you uh, put trip. Trip with the teacher on your watch list. On your watch I list. will. I will. <laughs> we can talk about it. I'm next saying week. that I, I I haven't watched it yet, so I'm not recommending it. But uh, okay. But Adam, you are. <laughs> yeah, right? I I saw it twice actually. I, I got it about ten years ago in a multi pack of movies, and then uh, Vinegar Syndrome put it out on Blu-ray last fall, and they sent it to me, and I rewatched it. It's still mm-hmm. fun. Like I said, it's fun. I want to make a correction earlier. I said Cynthia Gibb. I meant Cynthia Rhodes. That's who I meant. Cynthia Rhodes. Rhodes. Yes. And she was, also, she was the she, she was the one married to Richard Marks. Right. Wasn't she? That's the one. Stay okay. and she's in Staying okay. Alive with uh with Stallone uh Stallone. Uh with um Travolta. I'll get it out. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Stallone's well, Stallone was a director. He has a little so. cameo. <laughs> cameo. Yeah. Yeah, he has a cameo walking down the yeah. New York streets. Stallone's the director. That's what I was thinking. Horrific oh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah, that's not movie. a good movie. That movie's horrific. Pa- painful. Uh, Actually painful. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I saw this movie uh, that was uh, <clears throat> raved upon last year because it marked a return, uh, dramatic return for Michelle Pfeiffer. And it mm-hmm. is like a really meat, meaty dramatic role for her. It's called Where is Kira? Yeah, mm-hmm. I wanted uh, to see that. I never got around to it. I have a feeling it's a great performance by Michelle Pfeiffer, and I say that because 
it's lit so darkly that I honestly never could see her. You can <laughs> Ooh, barely no. see her. Wow. It's it's terrible. And I realize the whole the whole underlighting and, and the it's it's meant to be to echo the dra- dramatics of the narrative because she is uh uh she's borderline homeless and she's trying to survive and the only way she could do it is to do something illegal. So it, it, but uh but you honestly can't see her face in the movie. And mm. I would be pissed off if I were her. I'd be like, I gave a really great performance, and you're not seeing it. Wow. So it, it almost, mm. It's almost so dark it could be like an audio book. I mean, <laughs> it might as well be. Or an experimental movie. And then I movie. thought, you know, everybody complained, everybody complained about Gordon Willis in the early days and his Prince of Darkness stuff. But it was uh, selective. I mean, there are so many scenes in Godfather Two where you, where Pacino's like, you know, overlit, where he's in the bright sun and in mm-hmm, Havana, mm-hmm. where, where he's in uh, the guy's, uh, oh, who's the character that betrays them? Anyway, the the one after his home gets shot up, and he goes to visit. Uh, oh, Johnny I can't think of his name. Yes, and he says they try to shoot me in my home, where my wife sleeps and where my children come and play with their toys. I mean, you could see Pacino a lot in that movie. It's not all like Prince of Darkness. Yeah. 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 It's true. It's true. Uh, I think think The Godfather is a little darker, uh, with the exception of, of course, the wedding sequence and the the wedding party and everything. Uh, It might be a little darker, and that's where a lot of that Prince of Darkness kind of stuff came out. And then uh, uh, maybe with with Godfather 2, maybe they... They remedied, remedied that a little bit by setting it, some of it in Havana a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, what else I saw on Prime again, going back to Prime, uh, I, I just wanted to say this. I, I had never gotten a chance to see this. I've heard about it for many years, since the 70s. Uh, but they have an American Family, the uh, documentary uh, by Craig Gilbert, uh, about the Loud family uh, mm. done in the 70s. This is the cut-down version. It's cut into a two-hour feature. Uh, this is not the full uh, eight eight hours or ten hours of the cameras following the Loud family around. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but this was I I was I was incredibly happy to have the opportunity to see it, and if you have Prime, you can look it up. It's called An American Family, and it's really really good. That's it's a real trip in the seventies. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because Bill Loud, the uh, the patriarch of the family, he just because I know all things about the passage of yes <laughs> notables, uh, he died just about a month ago. Yeah, uh, and he was he was ninety seven, which blew me away. <laughs> Ninety seven years old. I didn't know he was so he had to be in his fifties when he uh I mean he show. looks like he's in his late fifties, early sixties, uh yeah. in the movie. So uh and his wife his wife looks uh, looks to be about ten years younger. Yeah. Um so uh man. She's still alive. I didn't quite like that way. movie that HBO made about that show. No, me neither. Oh yeah. Cinema Here's Verite, about. yeah. Yeah, that was a disappointment. Yeah. But, uh, I watched now. Now I'm trying to rectify in my mind because I'm not about revisionism and all of that kind of stuff. So there are movies today, like you mentioned earlier, Gone with the Wind, where in in a modern context we're just willing to dismiss those movies 
because as if they never existed because we want to somehow pretend like mm-hmm. we we as a species never existed with those attitudes. Yeah. So I I I understand that that uh, fighting against that, but I mean that brings me to my reactions to some Don Siegel movies I've seen in the past week or so. And his which ones? His treatment of women. Um. Uh, Coogan's Bluff and Ch- Charlie Verrick. Yeah. And also, They're, did he do? It's did, not, he didn't do the Gauntlet, did he? That's a Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah, Eastwood directed that one. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is the main guy. Sergio Leone and Don Siegel were the two people that essentially uh, taught. They were the biggest influences over Eastwood, really, uh, in terms of career and and, and the his approach to work. He learned a lot from both. Mm-hmm. But the the handling of women, it, it, it's one thing to, like, portray a man who is abusive to women, which there are plenty of examples of that in a Don Siegel movie. But it's another thing, and, like, the scene in Charlie Varick, Joe Don Baker goes into the um, woman's office who is making counterfeit stuff for Walter Matthau, and just walks up to her without any words and smacks her across the face. And then she takes his hand and is willing to go to bed with him. Like, she had to have that smack in order to get turned on by him. Uh, that, that's bothersome, isn't it? I mean, it's, and not just, it's not an isolated thing. I mean, his handling of women is pretty shitty <laughs> in all of his movies. But it's not the fact that the man abuses the woman, which could be which I, I'm willing to accept among this cast of characters, is that the woman usually really responds well to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the offensive part. That is the offensive part of it. And, uh, yeah. I mean, but uh, horrific violence towards women it, were all in all a lot of 70s movies. Uh, and, uh, in fact, you know, it's it's hard to find a, uh, 70s action movie that doesn't have a, a rape in it or something, which is well, that's true. But, you're, but I mean, you're 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 meant to be horrified by it mm-hmm. in a lot of those instances, and even in in like a Dirty Harry kind of movie, which yeah. is on Seek, um, it started out to be anyway. I mean, uh, Harry Callahan's trying to find justice for somebody that got raped or murdered. You know, on paper, that's how it's supposed to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know that we talked about this the other night that Don Siegel and Bette Midler clashed on the set of Jinxed, his final film, which wonder makes you wonder if uh, you know there might have been something with his personality. Maybe uh-huh. I don't know because uh, he had a he had a heart attack. Uh, it was so bad. It got and uh, I uh, I don't know if they brought somebody in else somebody else in to finish it, but uh, I know he did have a heart attack. Because their hostility towards one another was reached a boiling point, and mm. uh, so so yeah, it makes you wonder. I, so I the know. movie was aptly titled. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's just when it becomes when it becomes like a recurring theme, and there's there's stuff in Coogan's Bluff that that is, that is like that too, and obviously yeah. stuff from other movies in his resume. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I, li- I mean, how can you not like Charlie Varick? I mean, uh, I like the movie. Uh, That's such an Walter exciting Matthau. movie. Joe Don yeah, Baker. Walter Matthau, uh, 
Walter Matthau is so like unaffected by anything that happened. Like yeah. he has to blow his wife up. He's like, all right, let's move along. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. anything that happens. He's so he's very good in that movie. And, and John Baker audience, is so only, the only know him in the piece. So uh, modern audiences only know him as a comedic actor, you know, if they know him at all. And yeah. so it's, it feels revelatory when you go back through kind of the dramas that he made and the, the action movies. It's true. It's true. Yep. That and uh, and uh, taking a Pelham one two three. Uh, we watched that again too. Uh, that that holds up. That'll hold up forever. It's so exciting. Always, uh, they'll always be great. Uh, yeah. Speaking of Eastwood, do you guys remember? Or did you watch? Or, uh, what did you think of the um, that Eastwood movie from a decade ago? That the, the Changeling, terrible title. Oh yeah, it is. A, it, it's it is a bad title, especially since it's already, it, was, it had already been taken. Taken. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah, of all yeah. titles, there was already a movie called Changeling. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I I remember watching it and thinking ah, it's all right, it's okay, not my favorite. Uh, but Jolie is good. Angelina Jolie is very very good in it. And, really good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, and uh, and the story uh, I, the story got me invested. I didn't know anything about that story. Yeah, yeah, uh, and so it was it was it was one of the better better movies I think that mm-hmm. a lot of people thought of as a throwaway. At least, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Oh, I, I found another Prime movie I had to tell everybody about. I had always heard about this, but I'd never seen it. Uh, uh, from 1982, Dear Mr. Wonderful, with hmm. Joe Pesci. It's the movie he made directly right after getting nominated for the Oscar for Raging Bull, which is also in Prime. Uh, in this, he plays a uh, lounge singer who owns a bowling alley, and uh, he sings in the bowling alley. And uh, um, co-starring with him is his... F- Former comedy partner, um, Frank Vincent. Uh, a very, very interesting movie. Also valuable for a lot of great New York footage from that era. And uh, I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but uh, but it was interesting. It was a curio. And I, uh, I loved it just because I think Pesci is fantastic in it. Has Pesci ever been bad in a movie? I don't think so. Even in the bad movies, he's still entertaining to watch. Yeah, uh, he's always fun. Yeah, he is. Um, but, uh, yeah. Oh, God. I can't get over it. I'm just going through my list here, and I just yeah. can't get over it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, the um, before, before we go, I wanted to... First of all, for any of our listeners who happen to watch the the new Freakin documentary, since we've been a big Freakin show in the past, um, the father, the devil, and father Moroth, Moroth, mm-hmm. Amos, Am- whatever, the devil and father something. Uh, if you watch that movie, uh, email me moviegeeksunited at yahoo dot com and tell me if you think it's complete bullshit. As I do. 
what you told me about. It sounds like it sounds like bullcrap. Thank you. 